0: Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit dairylanedental.com.
1: Hi, today I want to share with you, I want to change it up a bit. We've been having conversations about some pretty difficult topics, some pretty controversial topics and ones that we hope will give you some food for thought and something to think about and a new way of knowing, being, which leads to a new way of doing. Today, I'd like to share with you some of our oral traditions of the First Nations and mine specifically of the Haudenosaunee or Iroquois people. In the oral tradition, it gives the basis and a context of who we are and really is our identity and our origins are with oral traditions. I would like to share with you the or Iroquois creation story. And it's not a once upon a time story. It's a narrative that we, in our spirits, believed how this earth was formed and created, how Turtle Island
2: came to be. A long, long time ago, there was only the sky, and the sky woman lived. In the sky with her husband.
1: They ruled the sky and became, and she became, the Sky Woman became pregnant. And during that pregnancy, as we know, it can be very difficult with hormone changes, things that happen to your body. So the Sky Woman was walking about one day and saw a huge. Enormous tree. And
2: she was very,
1: very curious. She went over to the tree and then decided to go and see her husband and ask, I would like that tree uprooted. Can you get that tree and take it from its roots and dispose of it, move it? The husband did what he was told.
2: And he went over and took the tree from its roots. The curious pregnant sky woman
1: went over and she went close. She went near to the hole where the uprooted tree had been. She leaned over and she looked down. All she knew was the sky and where she lived and what she inhabited. She leaned over. And she leaned too far, and all of a sudden, she fell through the sky, and down, down, down she fell. Below her were water animals, the creatures of the water, and they looked up and they saw a woman falling from the sky. And two large geese came and brought her down onto the back of a giant turtle. The sky woman sat on the back of the giant turtle, and knew that something had to occur. Something had to happen. She had fallen, and the animals of the water, and the living creatures gathered around her. She asked, "But we must, we must see if one of you can swim down to the bottom of the ocean, swim down to the bottom of this water, and get." Some soil, get some earth, and bring it up. If one of you can please do that.
2: As she sat there, the beaver said, I will do it. I will go down and get it. I can do it. I can pick it up with my long, flat, wide tail.
1: And I can do this. I am a swimmer. So the sky woman said, Go. And all of the other water creatures watched as the beaver dove down as far as he could go. He did not come up for some time. And finally
2: he surfaced and was no longer alive.
1: Next, the eel said, I can go. I can go down. I will do it. And so the sky woman watched and the animals of the water and the air watched as the eel swam so fast toward the bottom, toward the bottom, and almost reached the bottom to pick up the soil in its mouth, and it too floated to the surface of the water and did not make it. Finally, Muskrat, strong, able Muskrat, said to the Sky Woman, I will do it. I can go down. I am very able and strong. I have, I have witnessed the others not able to make it. I am young and strong and able. Please let me do this. So the sky woman said, Try, please try, muskrat. You can do it. The muskrat dove down so fast, down to the bottom, 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 holding his breath, grabbed the earth, came up, still holding his breath, and reached the top, spitting water into the air while all of the animals were elated. He put the soil from his paw onto the turtle and immediately grass, vegetation,
2: trees were rooted on the turtle and thus heard the creation story. Of Turtle Island.
1: And with that, let's take a break. You are tuned in to You Know 88.7, Hunter's Bay Radio.
2: I'm Dr. Sherman from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're
0: listening to Muskoka Magazine. Like we like to call it, eh? The bush? And, uh, growing up there, I, uh, went out with my paw to catch a muskrat. Are you talking about the muskrat? <laughs> what the heck? They swim like a torpedo? And they're slippery buggers, too, eh? Ah. Uh, my pa, he's catching a lot of those when I was uh, young, and uh, I was just standing there eh, in that creek watching him. I was just getting wet and doing nothing to help it. I said, pa, I can't catch them. They're too fast. And uh, my pa just looked at me, eh, when the heck, uh, that, that look, that evil eye, eh, and we go home, and uh, my pa he, uh, skins them and he uh, boils them up, eh? And uh, hey, they tasted like chewing the seat of a toilet, and they, they smelled like it too, And that was it. That was it for me and the muskrats after that, eh? <laughs>
2: Welcome back. Welcome back to part two of today's show. We're going to take a look at the Indigenous worldview and the Western worldview and how they differ. And why do they
1: differ? Well, the Indigenous worldview is a land-based culture. And it is important to understand the difference as we move forward toward uh, truth and reconciliation and to realize and to understand as well as we take a look at those differences that they are not just based in the past or tradition. They're a a way of life and a way of being and knowing once again and knowing that over 70% of indigenous people in this country, First Nations, are urban indigenous. So many of us are living amongst the non-Indigenous community and working with you, working alongside you, you may not even know. I know that many of us may or may not look indigenous, may not look Metis. So I guess one thing I'm I'm saying with that is that We are fitting into both, trying to fit into both worlds, the indigenous world and the Western world. And some of that can cause a lot of irritation and a lot of frustration and a lot of misunderstanding. And again, I believe that's part of the effect that that has been having on indigenous people, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit in this country for years. We are also the um, Indigenous First Nations, the fastest growing segment of the Canadian population. And over half of that population is under the age of 25. So I really did just want to set the stage as we move forward and take a look at the Indigenous worldview and the Western worldview.
2: So with the
1: Western worldview, some of the aspects of that, and I'll just take a a look at the differences, are they seek and they are homogeneous. Whereas we look again at the indigenous, we honor diversity and we have a holistic approach. So we take a look at the individual versus the homogeneous. So we we take a look as well at the aspect of that the Western worldview values individuality and that we value the sharing and the extended family. So having gone to, just as as an example, to Nunavut and visit there and to several fly-in First Nations reserves, such as Kisatchewan. Otawabascat and Fort Albany. I have visited all of those. And and yes, we see that the and the the extended family is welcomed, that grandparents are not in lodges or nursing homes. They live with aunties and uncles may live with the the family. So it's an extended family situation. And and I'm not just saying that that's what it is like on flying reserves, that, that that's a way of thinking, that we uh, take a look at the value of our elders and to keep them with us and our aunts and uncles and keep them with us in the family situation and extended sharing. I would also say that we are community-minded and in that, So we would take in others and I, and I'm just taking a look at the two differences, right? I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. And so indigenous are other minded. And the Western worldview is, if we look at it, is competitive. And, and so also, um, if we look at another aspect about the time constraints for the Western worldview, we live under time constraints. We live under schedules. And if we take a look at the indigenous, it's we time is relative, and a really good example of that is what uh, First Nations know as Indian time that sometimes we most of the time we can be late. and I know that's very um, that's um what many cultures around the world it's a very relaxed uh, atmosphere, m- more chill and not as constraint and under the nine to five. And I'm, again, I'm just saying it, it's all relative. I'm taking a look at the overall differences. If we take a look again, that the Indigenous worldview is that it's a circular, it, it, it operates in a circle, and that we are part of a whole. A good example of that would be the um, medicine wheel and the seasons and how the seasons turn, and we are part of the whole. And if we take a look at the opposite, the Western worldview is linear and compartmentalize and segment, and that's how things work on that linear timetable. And with that, let's take a break. You're tuned in to 88.7 Hunters Bay Radio. And welcome back to complete our discussion today and our conversation of many conversations that we will have today's is about the Western worldview and the indigenous worldview. So when we compare and which is what we've been doing. The Western worldview. Has control and they want control or it looks at control over nature. Whereas. The indigenous view is a relationship with nature, and that relationship is a very spiritual-guided relationship. We don't seek to control nature or the environment. We seek to live with nature and with the environment. So, as you can see, all of these views that I've been sharing are in oppos- quite in opposition. And, again, we would take a look at the view that human beings are the most important. And the individual is the most important. Well, from an indigenous standpoint of worldview, we are not the most important. Community, other, and the environment comes before um, the individual. Next would be the worldview of, for something to be believable, we must have scientific evidence. We must be able to prove and explain. And that we have one truth, and that there is one belief system, and that's the Western belief system. However, if we take a look at the indigenous worldview, that it is a view that it's an experiential lifestyle, that we do not have to have proof for something to exist or to be, that we are all connected, and that there is more than one truth, and that within those truths, that everything
2: is related. Well, I hope that has given
1: you some aspects of the worldview, the Western view, and the indigenous worldview. And again, I don't have all the answers, and I'm here to share. I am here as well in this evolution of learning the stages that we will go through together. And I just appreciate your time that you have given me. I am here to share as an Indigenous woman that lives in the Muskoka community. So once again, Nyawa. And that's a wrap. Next time in our upcoming conversations, we will be taking a look at the residential school system and the impact that that has had as well as the 60 scoop and other issues. This is Hunter's Bay Radio 88.7 on Mohawk time.